Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15. Romans 15 is a is kind of Paul's concluding of most of his remarks for the uh, the the church at Rome. If you imagine with me, this is a tr- church at the seat of power. At this time, Rome was the place to be. It would be as if you had a church in Washington D.C. They say that that. And literally around D.C., there's kind of its own culture, its own atmosphere. And, and sometimes politicians get lost in that atmosphere and forget about what it's like back where they came from. And I'm not trying to be political this morning. I'm just saying it is its own culture. And Rome is the very same way. It's its own culture. It's its own its own ideas. And so Paul spends a lot of time being very thorough and being very theological and being very direct of what the Word of God needs to be said. And so when we get to Romans 15, if you want, when you find it, stand with me. 15, where he's concluding his thoughts. In verse 13, he says, Now may the God of hope, the title of the message this morning is God of hope, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want my, I, my prayer for you today is Paul's prayer here, that you abound, overflow in hope today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you, God, for everything that is available to the Christian, everything that is available to those that believe upon your name. And so, Lord, I pray that we would abound in hope this morning, that, Lord, that the God of hope would be open our minds and our eyes to see you. For, Lord, we know that you work things for our good, but you also have a requirement that we must love you and keep your commandments. So, Lord, I pray that your blessings be upon this church Be upon us as believers. Be upon, Lord, each and every heart here today. That God, that you would receive glory from what we are doing in our our community. And Father, we just thank you for all these things. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible speaks of hope and faith and love in 1 Corinthians 13. And it says in 1 Corinthians 13, Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now I want to I just spend some time here as I was praying over this message this morning. God, God has been, been stirring in me over our community here. Specifically, we, our community reaches a lot of area, a lot of ground, a lot of territory, but where God is speaking to my heart today is the immediate area around this church. That I believe it's time for us as the church of God here in East Point 
that we begin to labor in prayer again for our community here. Not that we don't want to see St. George saved because we do. Not that we don't want to see Appalachia saved because we do. Not that we don't want to see Carabell saved and any of the surrounding areas around here saved. We do. We want to see the fire of God. But God has been burdening me in this, in this community for our specific community where this church is planted. The reason why I, I say that this way and I, the reason why my heart has been burdened is because I, I look at a lot of times people have different responses to trouble. And it's common to say that there's either a fight or flight response. You ever heard of that? Fight or flight. When you get into a trouble, when you get into a situation, our, our normal reaction is to either flee from it or to fight in the middle of it. And my fear, though, is that churches have become fleers instead of fighters. You see, what has happened to many churches is that we are content with being where we are. And as long as our walls are impregnable, that no one can get in, we're all right. You know, by invitation only. Do you have somebody invite you? No, well, they ain't coming in. And you say, well, we're welcoming. Well, yeah, we might be welcoming, but you know, if we don't tell people that we love them, if we don't wrap our arms around them, they'll come in and go back out and never know that they were here. You see, the reality that, that we, we are in the middle of is we are in a battle. Every day is a battle. Every moment is a spiritual battle. You battled this week, whether you realized it or not. You were, the enemy was trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. It could have been that this week you may have made a horrific decision that you won't even know about the ramifications of that until about three years from now. We don't know. You are in, not to bring you down or anything, but you are in a battle today. You are in a battle right now in your life. You are in a battle. And so you have a personal response. You either can flee from it or you can fight it. And this is where we have trouble with addiction because we have people today that they flee. They flee to the bottle. They, they get lost in alcohol and they drown their sorrows in, in, in alcoholism. And they, they fl they're fleeing from reality because they want to forget about their problem and they want to forget about it. And then unfortunately now their body, their brain has been rewired because they've got this drug in their body and now it craves that. And so now they're stuck in this vicious cycle where even if they wanted to get out, they cannot without some serious help, especially healing from Jesus Christ. And you can go down the list, addiction to pills and all the other things that our society has out there. They are because we don't want to fight anymore. Have you ever been to a ball game and you can see the team when the team, the other team knows they lost, you know, that's no fun. I mean, to me, I like when, if you know I'm from Ohio, so I'm a big Ohio State fan. And so the last year, if you're from Alabama, I'm sorry, because I'm going to already use this. The, uh, when we, when I, sorry, Brother Don, I know you're Alabama. But when that game came down to the last five minutes, that was a good game. It was a really good game. The very, but six years ago, when we got throttled by the Gators, that was a very bad game. It was like 42 to 7, and we scored within the first 15 seconds and didn't even score ever again. It was, all, it was awful. And I, I, I watched it all the way to the end. It was almost being torture. 
But the purpose of what I'm trying to say here is that you could see about midway through the, the third quarter, they, my team figured out that they were losing. And, it wasn't, they, and they weren't going to come back. And that they were getting ready to be severely embarrassed on the national stage. And it was an awful feeling to be involved in that process. It was an awful feeling to see that. And, 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 and what happens here is that when you're in the midst of a struggle, there comes a point where you lose hope. And the, and the reason why people turn to addiction, they turn to these vices, they turn to these things. The reason why churches have built impregnable walls to keep the unwanted out. The reason why is because we've lost hope. We, when we lose hope, because if we don't believe... That God is the God of the Bible, we lose hope. If we don't believe that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, we'll lose hope. If we don't believe that we're not the tail, that we're, we're the head, we're going to lose hope. If we don't believe that when they come in one way, they'll flee seven ways, we'll lose hope. You won't get, you won't get anywhere if you won't believe the Bible. You see, what happens is that we can get so burdened down in the storm and so burdened down in the struggle that all our attention becomes is about the struggle. And what we want to do is seek relief from the struggle and not look for the reason that we're in the fight to start with. Because there are many that will turn and run when the going gets rough and when things get hard and they don't want to deal with it anymore and they don't want to be part of it. But I want to tell you, you're in a struggle for, for your life. You're in a struggle for your family. You're in a struggle for peace. And because God is God, there is hope for you today. Hope. And when, when, we, when God wants to wake us up, when God wants us to recognize where we are, He usually baptizes you in an atmosphere of anguish. That you begin to see, you begin to see things in your life, and you begin to see environments, you begin to see different things in your spirit, and you begin to see different things in the community, and you begin to go through things in your life and you begin to get into an atmosphere of anguish. Y'all with me this morning? And that anguish, God, God puts it on you like a rock or a boulder. It's something to burden you down so that you do one thing, so that you pray. You see, God only puts anguish in your life. When you, what I am praying, when I drive through uh, this area, I'm telling you, it's in my heart, it's in my mind, and there's a love for our community. There's a love for this area that God has placed in here and touched me with, but there's also an anguish over the community as well. Because we are not where we need to be. We are not anywhere close to where God wants us to be. The, the anguish in our, my heart that surrounds us and, it, and that moves on, on me. And that, that we, we look at it and God says, I want you burdened to pray. 
I want you to be burdened for your neighbors. I want you to be burdened. And, and you know, the, the trouble is, is that we, we, get, so, we get so easy. We, we, we just don't want to deal with the fight. Life is so hard and pain is there. And that we don't want any other pain added to our lives. You say, God, I've got my own thing. I, I can't carry this burden. I can't do these things. And so you, 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 it, it, we have people that God says, I, 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 you say, I would love a revival to happen. I would love deliverance to take place. I would love this community to be changed. But I can't handle any more anguish right now. Because God puts things there. And he, if you say, well, I, I want to be on the front lines. I want to pray for the revival. I want to pray for this thing. Then God is going to baptize you in a fire of anguish. That wherever you go, you're going to see lost people. That wherever you go, you're going to see you're going to, your, your co-workers. You're not just working with them anymore. You're a burden for them. Your neighbors, you're not just living next to them anymore. You're a burden for them. And many times we're content if they stay there. But God, one day, he might whisper to you, pray for them. When you drove by people this morning, when you came to the house of God, how many of them weren't going anywhere? Not just not just here, but I mean anywhere. How many of the people that are within this area of our community, how many of them within just five minutes that could literally walk to church may die and go to hell this week? How can we live in an atmosphere and how can we have within our mind that this is, should not take place? That you are within distance of our church and we need to be baptized in the anguish again. That there are Sunday school kids that aren't getting it and there's Wednesday night kids that aren't getting it. And there are people that aren't getting it and we desperately need delivering power from God again. That we need the presence of the Lord to move and we need the presence of God to minister and we need the presence of the Holy Spirit to baptize us in a spirit of anguish again. That we all, every single one of us, recognize the need for hope and life around us. But this is where you need to get refocused on who God is. He's the God of hope. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to experience this thing. It may be weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. You, you may endure pain right now, but joy is coming. There is always hope because he's the God of hope. And when we stop believing that, we, we refuse to take on burdens of anguish. But I want to tell you, within your personal life, God wants to give you hope. Within your own lives, God wants to give you peace. Within your own area, God wants to strengthen you. I want to tell you, there's a way out of your trouble. There's a way out of your struggle. Your personal one, God has an answer for you because he's the God of hope today. So we, we, you need, I think what is severely lacking in our churches around America, no matter where we are, is that we've lost hope. We've, put, we've 
We've battened down the hatches. We've created all the atmosphere where we are no longer going out into the community and we're no longer reaching and we're no longer praying and we're no longer doing the things that churches do and and we're okay, and we create models within church world that will attract people to us which is there's nothing wrong with that but we're we're doing it from a business perspective and we're doing it from a other a non-spiritual perspective but God wants us to go therefore into the world and preach the gospel God wants us to be out God wants us to do because James says faith without works is dead. If we're not witnessing, if we're not doing the work of ministry, if we're not feeding the poor, if we're not doing the things that God has called us to do, then friend, I'm telling you, then our faith is dead is what James says. If we are content just to sit here and feel like we bought fire insurance, that we're not going to go to hell, that everything's okay with me and everything's okay around you, I want to tell you that not everything is okay around you. God wants to do something around us. And maybe for this season, you're not in a storm. And maybe for right now, you're not in trial. And maybe for right now, you're not in it. But people around you are. And that usually impacts you as well. That it may not be your family, but it may impact your family indirectly. And then, and then, it, will, uh, then it will continue to escalate around us. I want to tell you, we need to speak life. And we need to pray. We need to be praying over our children again. We need to be praying over our schools again. There shouldn't be any school in this area that's failing. There shouldn't be anything around us it should be our kids should not be addicted there we should not see all the pain that's out there in our high school and if you don't want to believe it you can you can forget what I just said but it's there it's real and we need to have hope again we need to have the praise of God again and we need to let let them know that they don't have to settle for this There is an answer and his name is Jesus. There is an answer and it's not given among us and it's not our incited wisdom and it's not our understanding. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that will save our sin, that will save us. You see, the gospel message is powerful. The gospel message is delivering. The gospel message still works. It's worked for century after century after century, and it can work again today. It's not, it's not how good we are, and it's not how great our church is. It's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that can save them. They won't want to go down that road if they have the blood of Jesus on them. They won't want to follow that way if the blood of Jesus is on them. If we have grandmas that adopt these babies that are out there, then I don't mean literally adopt them, but I mean adopt them to pray over them. Adopt them to say, I know your mother's not praying for you, and I know your father's not praying for you, because I see the way they live, but I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to seek the Lord on your behalf, because I want a revival in our kids. He's the God of hope. He's the God of hope. And He wants to grant you this blessed hope. You see, he wants to fill you with all joy and peace and believing. Now, let me tell you, there is a difference between faith and hope. It's hard to distinguish, but there is a difference. Because when it comes to faith, we, we sometimes get the, the two concepts confused. You see, faith is to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. So faith means trusting. Just one word. So if I have faith in God, I trust God. 
Okay, that, that's what that means. So when I, I trust God, so let me, let me be very simple. I have faith, whether you realize it or not, you have faith that you, when you stand up and you put your foot down on this soil, on this ground, that you're not going to launch out in the outer space. Why? Because gravity is still here. You know, we're not standing around here going, you go, you go first. See if gravity still works. We have faith, and you, you, take it, you take it for granted because we trust the fact that there are certain laws in motion right now that if I put my foot out here, it's going to work. I have faith that I can trust that the sun will rise tomorrow. I may not see it. There may be a storm, but I know it's there. There's certain things in life that you just kind of take for granted, but you trust. You go through them. And, and, and when it comes to God, you have to learn to have faith as if it was this way that you just, you look at God and you're trusting what he's doing for you in your life. That, you, that somehow he's going to work away. That somehow it may look bleak, but somehow he's going to do something. So we trust God. Now, the second thing, though, is hope. And hope is sometimes confused with faith because it's a little bit different. But hope is not trusting. Hope is expecting. You see, if I don't expect something to happen, then, you know, if I don't expect to win the game, then most likely I won't. If I don't expect something to take place, or have hope in something, then I, I'm not going to see the reality of that. And so God's, God is the God of hope, meaning God is the one of expectation. This means that I can have complete confidence in God because he's the God of hope. That as long as he's God, I can expect something to happen. You hear me? As long as he's God, I can expect something to take place in my life. You, you see, the, you, once you get this, fear leaves. You, you follow me? Once you understand hope and that he's the God of hope, and if he's the God of hope, that means hope is connected to him, that wherever he goes, he brings hope. And when he walks into the room of your life and your being, that he's going to bring hope. You can have confidence in God that I expect something to take place. When you come to the house of the Lord, I expect God to move. I expect God to do something. I have hope that God is going to do something. And I also have faith and trust that God will. And so when you have these two experiences together, when you put these two together, it is these two forces together that God has birthed with inside of us that they create an atmosphere by which we can overcome every obstacle in our lives. We can overcome every trial that we could ever face, that we have trust in God, that God's going to do the work, and we expect that God is going to deliver me. I expect you to be delivered, and I trust that God will do what I expect that this community is going to be delivered and I can trust that God wants to do it. That's how we have to live. 
if we put our heads down, if we live in an atmosphere of, of, of fear and we worry and fray and fret over it, I'm telling you, you won't get anywhere with worry. You won't get anywhere. All it's going to do is create stress. All it's going to do is create pain, more pain in your life. But if you begin to expect God that he's going to do something that I have hope today, that I don't, I surrendered everything at the cross. And sometimes we've got to repent and say, Lord, I really fouled up here. I ask, oh God, that you forgive me. I ask, oh God, that you wash me. I ask, oh God, that you cleanse me. And when you do that, now the beloved hear this very clearly. You are a child of God. And if you belong to the Lord, he's going to bring you out. He's going to deliver you. He's going to touch you. But you've got to have hope and you've got to have faith. Because if you won't hope and you don't have faith, then you're not going to see it. Because people will live this way. They'll say, oh, Lord, I'm so, I'm so afraid of this and that and the other. And they'll name their trouble. And I want to tell you, fear, if when you begin to feel fear and worry, that is the devil in your life. Every single time. There is no fear in God. Perfect love casts out all fear. There is no fear in God. If, 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 you, if you were standing, if, let, me just, let me put it to you like this. If God stood in your living room, Jesus shows up and stands in your living room one day. And he looks at you and you say, ask of me anything and I will grant it to you. And you say to Jesus, Jesus, I ask that you save my children and my grandchildren. Save their souls. And Jesus says, I will grant it to you. I will give you, I will save your kids. Let me tell you something. You no longer need to worry and fear ever again. Why? Because the word of God, Jesus, spoke it to you directly. Why is it that you can read this thing right here and have the very same experience through the word of God? And come away with fear and worry. Because when he tells you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, it is a promise of God that I have told you that if you would come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. If you come to me and let me take over, if you are crucified with me, you will no longer live, but I will live through you. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open to you. It is here. Amen. Why do we worry? It's written within the pages of this precious book, this word of God. Why do we worry when we have such extraordinary promises from God? So when I tell you this morning that we should walk around our community expecting and trusting, we need to have this very thought in our minds. Because God wants to give us, in, in Romans 15, he tells us 
in Romans 15.5 that he's the God of patience and comfort. In Romans 15.33, he's the God of peace. In Romans 13, he's the God of hope. All these together in one chapter is telling you that you can have peace, that you can have confidence, that he's going to be patient and he's going to comfort you. He's going to help you. He's going to be there beside you. You need not worry. If you turn over to Romans 8, 28, you recognize it doesn't matter what may happen in your life. He's going to work it for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When you begin to walk through there and recognize how God not only is going to work every trouble for your good, but he's also going to give you his spirit to empower you that you may abound in hope that you may abound in life he's going to give you everything you have need of that no matter what weapon it is that the enemy shoots at you you shall have a shield that will block it that he will raise up a standard that there will be nothing coming against you there will be nothing that's going to harm you no matter what the world throws at you you will overcome every time every situation every moment you shall go through and you shall be victorious in Christ Jesus your Lord praise God you shall be does not mean that it does not mean that it's going to be pleasant to the flesh I was reading Hebrews this week and and there's something glorious about this passage one in in Hebrews chapter 11 And, oh, it just, the litany of the beauty of that passage is just enormous. And he goes through and speaks of all the the saints that have gone on. And one of my kids ripped my Bible. Anyway, my little kids like to come in and play with my stuff. But the Bible speaks to us about Jacob. And he says, verse 21, says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. And this is the part that just gets me every time I read past this. And he worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. You say, well, what do you mean by that? There are sometimes issues that, for whatever reason, God doesn't take away. But yet we still worship leaning. There are sometimes that God allows you to have a limp to remember the encounter and to remember the struggle and to remember what you've been through. But we still worship. Even if we're leaning on a staff, even if we're leaning on our, even if we have that crutch, even if we have that, that issue going on in our life, even if we have these things, we worship leaning, knowing that, knowing that God has an answer for it, knowing that God has a plan for you, knowing that God, you have by faith, he still worshiped through it all. I want to finish this message this morning with this Romans 16, 20. The Bible says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. 
Brother, if you go ahead. When you recognize this, as God has given you hope today, that here's your hope. You have this enormous trial. You have this enormous trouble right there. And soon, it's about ready to be crushed. Shortly. Because I, I know you're in it right now. I know you're facing trial right now. But shortly, everybody's going to glorify Jesus. When you learn this important thing, though, God will only deliver you if you're willing to give him the glory. God's not going to get, deliver you and you take credit for it. God's not going to deliver you if you come out and say, well, I was wise, I was this, I was that. You know, I can tell you that there is some wisdom that's in humanity. There are some decisions that, that you can make that are good decisions. But I want to tell you this morning, only God gives you the perfect decision. And what may seem like a wrong thing, it may seem like an unusual thing, is the way that God wants to work for you personally. I think I told this story before, but I'll just be real brief. My, my grandfather wanted to be in a business. A man wanted to partner with him in a business. Long story short, my grandpa said no. The man was irritated. It affected their, their friendship. But what happened after is that God, my grandpa had prayed and sought the Lord and God told him, no, don't do it. And the business died within a year. He would have lost everything. The reason why God covers you, and maybe you may, may not understand things, and maybe you may not understand why you, you can't go down a certain path, but God walks with you. Well, let me change this. What happened if my grandpa, he would have said yes? Like many of us sometimes do. And then we lose some things. We lose some, something special. We lose something. What does God do in that situation? He says, come back to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. And somehow, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. You remember that? God will make a way through whatever you're in. God will help you. God will encourage you God will and you just humble yourself before the Lord and say God I, I know I botched it here God I know that I, I made a mistake here I see clearly how you warned me and that I shouldn't have gone this way but I did it I, I'm sorry I, I come to you Lord asking you to forgive and that doesn't mean God's going to just release the fire and, and lessen the fire sometimes we got to go through things Sometimes after Ishmael's born, you got to raise him. Sometimes you've got to go through something in your life that you have to go through in order to, to, to achieve the promise that God has given you. But God is going to help you and sustain you and bless you and get you through that trial because you're going to make it because he's the God of hope. There's nothing that you've done. There's no, there's no trial. There's nothing that you have given that is so complicates your life that God still cannot get glory out of your life. God can do it. You can make it 
if you release and begin to hope in God again, and let us be in anguish, an anguish in a way that we recognize for loved ones and family, that we are in anguish that God, they're not getting it. And we, so we, know we have an expectation of hope. And so we pray and we seek you and we look to you because we don't want to accept that this is reality. And we don't want to accept our surrounding environment that we're going to fight and not flee. We're not going to just stand here and watch everything die and go to hell around us. We're going to do something about it. We're going to take it by the horns and say, Lord, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Nothing is going to stand in our way. And though we may go through something, and though we may go through the fire, we know that we shall expect and trust that we shall make it and we shall be victorious in Christ who strengthens us today. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.